Welcome to another Living the Past. Uh, we are a podcast that goes through a month for 90 most weeks. Uh, this is our February 1994 episode. Uh, I am Paul. This is my co-host, Ben. Hello. Happy Valentine's Month. Hey, Valentine's Month. And usually our, uh, from the first few series, usually the month that was like even worse in January, but you know, this one, you know, it's, they're getting better. Like the movie release is getting better. The music release is getting better. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of news stories to get through. Um, there's actually, there's actually a pretty big episode, so I'm going to like forgo most of the like little pleasantries. Let's get right into living, living in the now. So living in the now, if you've never heard this uh, podcast before, you thought I'm going to start in February, 1994. Thank you. Uh, this means this is just the part where we, yeah, like, I'm feeling Feb 94. Um, this is the part where we actually talk about just what's going on, uh, right, right here, right now. Um, uh, and we get, we get back to the nineties in, in a sec. Um, I usually go through like a bunch of stuff that I'm listening to or watching, but I'm not even going to do that. Do you know why? Because oh. my co-host Benjamin look Uh-oh. for mother flipping ghosts at the mother flipping zoo. The other night, and oh. I want to know all about that. Okay. The most important part, I will not add any suspense. I saw a lion asleep under a tree two meters away. So they do the same thing at night that they do during the day. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's no kids around. There's no, like, people yelling. No, no offense to kids or people yelling. But all the stuff no, that would no, annoy no. you at the zoo... Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff that annoys a, a single adult at the zoo was not happening. Oh, actually, no, I take it back. Because there was other dickheads there that just shined this light in the lion's face. Like, oh my God, look at it sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't to the same extent. And there were like the infrared torches. So I don't think the lion even really noticed it was happening. It's okay. Oh, but, he's just, just like just like oh, ghost nerds. All right, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that and like seeing the giraffes wandering around, just like they came right up to us. There's no one else there. Nice. It's dark. It's spooky. It's cool. Um, ghost, ghost giraffe. I'm pretty sure they're all real giraffes. Although they yeah. did talk about one that was getting moved, but then he was still there. So was that's this not, the spirit no, of that's, giraffe? That's not, that's not a ghost. That's just poor um, moving management. <laughs> Uh, so we did get, we went into the nocturnal house a couple of times okay. and we went into like the back end that was which at semi-abandoned. Night is, which at night is just the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I cracked myself up. <laughs> Paul, you're ruining ghost time. Okay, go, go. Uh, which is kind of spooky because it's very, very dark when it's dark. Like, you're in the back bits where the keepers go. It's not where the animals are, obviously. Yeah. We did get one, excuse me, very loud random bang that there was monkeys not too far away, but far enough away that any sound they made wouldn't have made that sound, like, that close. Okay. Um, Other than that, we didn't, like, see, feel or hear much spooky. All the equipment we had was kind of sketchy. Can I ask? But we got to... 
Yes. Can I ask? And now this is going to sound like I'm making fun of you. And that might be. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Were you there to expressly see ghost animals? Or is there like people who are haunting the zoo as well? Or is this like come and see some ghost animals? Like do do people who believe in ghosts believe in ghost animals? Like I know like there's like ghost dogs and all that stuff, which is usually like the... Usually, you know that there's ghost dogs. Well, like, I've heard. I know that like that. That's like a well-known belief. <laughs> like, oh, I went to when I went to Tasmania. Okay. There's a there's a there's a bridge that apparently has like a black dog on it. That's like because like a lot of people have um taken their lives there, and it's like there's that is is a, a black dog is like is all throughout time has been like a, a a doom prophecy sort of thing. Yeah. But do you, were you guys like angling to see like a ghost elephant or a ghost <laughs> or a ghost hippo or something like that? <laughs> It's not really mentioned much. It's not the angle that they're going for. So it's a a ghost and history tour. Well, it's a history tour with, you know, there's a lot of death in and around the zoo that happened oh, yeah. um, over the last century. Did they go into the uh, uh, cutting off the head of the alligator? No, they did not. It was back in the 80s or not. Or, you know, no, 80s. Um, um, some, someone broke in and decapitated an alligator. Yeah, that doesn't sound very nice. I imagine that's probably why they skipped that. And also the guy that Although, um, that, that like, skewered himself on the on the gate. Did you hear about that? No, they didn't mention. It. They mentioned uh, two people that got attacked by bears. Two keepers got attacked by bears, which weren't pleasant stories either. But okay, um, I guess it's less illegal. Well, as a guy, and this is this is probably more more recent. I think this is like nineties, even like early two thousands. A guy. Um, try to break into the zoo, but you know the old entrance there. They got these like big spikes on the gate. He actually like um, he impaled his leg on one of those skewers oh. and, and basically bled out. So if you look at it now, you can't actually like. There's actually plastic sort of yeah. surrounding it, so you can't see it. And that's that's the reason why it's, why it's on there. Weird. So the spikes sh- did its sh- job. Yeah, I should and I should have been running this tour. I should have been running this tour. Seriously. <laughs> I don't know if there's just maybe things they didn't want to shed light on. Yeah. Or if they just haven't got through it all yet. Because they've started back when the zoo opened. So okay. there's a lot of things to go through. Um, but they talk about the hippos, the original hippos. Um, they talk about some elephants, the giraffes. We saw some monkeys. I saw a tiger. The security guy that came with us was kind of cool. Kind of a bit much in moments like okay. he was joining in on the tour a bit too much it's like you didn't pay to be here and you're not one of the tour guides <laughs> but so at the very start um cag who runs not runs she's one of the main people at haunted horizons okay. shout out haunted horizons okay they're quite good okay um she's she so we've done this tour before and both times she said don't shine the torches in the animals faces <laughs> what did the security guard do every exhibit we went past not an infrared torch, a very, very good security guard type torch, scanning all the enclosures, looking for the animals. And then when he found them, just held his light on them like, this hey, is- everyone, found the tiger. It's asleep in the corner. Oi, come look at it. I'm waking it up. Look, he's getting angry. <laughs> Where's my jabbing pole? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So he's just like, look, this is... This is uh... This is my time. This is probably what he does yep. when no one else is there. He's just like, 
I'm gonna stand around here in the zoo all fucking night. I'm gonna like shine. me, me, my mo. <laughs> <laughs> just shine my light on people, on animals and stuff. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds yeah. great. Um, sounds like not a complete waste of time at all. It um, is not. It is very very cool to experience the zoo at night with less people. You see yeah. some animals. You get some ghost stories. Uh, we didn't get any ice creams, but uh, was that was it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it a promise to, was a promise to you that you get ice cream. No. <laughs> Twice we went past through the little like food court area and I could see the ice cream machine at the door, but the door was shut. I was like, oh, I want that ice cream. Should have asked the security guard. Oh, you want ice cream? Oh, I'll do it. Like, he's like, are you actually a security guard or are you just someone? Just like... <laughs> well, that's what no, because he would have just, just shone his torch and be like, there they are, mate. Can you yeah. see them? There they are. Oh, do you want me to give me a lock? Oh, I'll do it for you. What do you think security guards do? Um, well, that that was yeah. I, I was very interested to see how your um, spooky zoo adventure went, and it went pretty much the exact good time. way that I think you was going to go. So let's get back into the nineties and let's do the events. A meteorite fell into the ocean uh, from from space. Uh, President Clinton was woken up by his uh, by the, his defense staff because six U.S. satellites were tracking this thing. Um, but at that stage, they didn't know it was it was a meteorite. It was it was it was a pretty big one too, um, and actually uh, fortunate that they didn't land on land. It landed into the ocean because it probably would have decimated whatever it was in its path. Um, astronomers were more concerned that the U.S. defense systems couldn't work out that it was a meteorite and not a nuclear weapon, which they thought it was, and was the reason they woke up President Clinton. <laughs> oh. So he got woken up by basically saying, hey, we reckon that someone's shooting a nuclear missile. Um, it, we've, we've, we're tracking this thing. It's huge. And everyone was like pretty much on like the edge of their seats. And then like, like oh no, big space rock. Go back to bed, Miss Clinton. I was like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> but yeah, astronomers were um, very concerned that um, with all their unique and excellent um, equipment, the defense couldn't work out that it was a big space rock and not a nuclear missile. Were the astronomers astounded and astonished? Not, ast- not astonished. I think, I think they were more like, yeah, we thought these dickheads probably think it's like a weapon. I mean, am- amazing. I can't. I, it's amazing that they didn't shoot out of the sky. Um, <laughs> just tell tell the president, it's like, that's right, Mister Clinton. We uh, we blew the uh, meteorite up. There's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no danger in here anymore. Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis are on the way. We're gonna be okay. I think. It wasn't that big. You probably just get one of them. Oh, okay, yeah. Just, if they'd sent Ben Affleck, then it, if they sent, sent Ben Affleck, we would have been saved from a, like a lot of shitty films. Um, uh, take Casey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we've also got... Uh, so, back in 1963, there was a civil rights leader named Medgar Evers. Um, he was uh, assassinated by a uh, um, racist redneck piece of shit. Um uh, the uh, the movie Ghost of Mississippi is is all about that, um, and the killer was oh. a guy called Byron D. Beckwith, or in the movie Byron D. Beckwith. Um, he is uh, <laughs> he is played so well by James Woods to the point that you're like, I think this is just what James Woods is like when he's <laughs> like he's just he plays he actually I think he actually got an Academy Award for it. Like he he plays him so well. Um, so basically, they found a bunch of. If you've seen the movie, you know like um, what happens. So they basically find like a rifle, and they find um, fingerprints that only um, Beckwith could have um, done. So they he gets done. There's no that like like you can get 
charged with murder even 30 years afterwards. So he was sentenced to life. He was like 73 at the time. So, I mean, he didn't much much oh. life left. And then he, he died in 2001 um, in, in prison, which is, yeah, it's good. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, kind of justice. Um, and like, if you, get, if you ever get a chance, we'll probably carry, I think it's a 1996 movie, but yeah, if you ever get a chance. Um, Rob Reiner, I think, directed it. Um, it's a very good film from what I remember watching it as like a 12 year old when I shouldn't it's very have watched good. it but it's, it's very good unfortunately yeah. it's got Alec Baldwin in it um, but it's uh, mm. it's also got James Woods it's also got William H. Macy um, uh, it's one of, one of the many films he was probably in that like in the mid 90s he was just in every film um, we also had uh, Jack Nicholson beat the shit out of someone's um, car with a golf club um, I don't know whether you remember this yeah. Uh, I remember the one thing I remember more is that uh, when David Letterman hosted, I think the Oscars the year after, he did a um, little piece where he got out of the car and smashed some, smashed a car up with a golf club. Um, uh, so what happened was uh, there's a guy called Robert Blank um, cut off Jack Nicholson in traffic. Um, they stopped at a red light. Uh, Jack Nicholson got out and smashed the guy's windscreen and his car with a golf club because of the traffic alteration altercation. Um, numerous witnesses confirmed like that it was Jack Nicholson beating someone, beating the shit out of someone's car with a golf club. He uh, he did come out on the defense and say that he was a very he was very stressed at the time. He was apparently playing. Uh, he, was, he was in a film that was like, and apparently he's going through a breakup and one of his friends, all, all these sort of things that like, you know, this is why I, this is, this is the, this is the justification I'm giving to beating up someone else's car because they cut me off. Um, totally fine then. Yeah, of course. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair so, enough. You know, one could say that like, you know, there might be a high profile actor in court right at the moment using the same type of defense and, you know, unfortunately winning public favor. But, you know, we won't talk about that. Um, Jack Nicholson um, uh, gave, apparently gave him a $500,000 check and it all went away. <laughs> wow. How did it get to five hundred? Because he's Jack Nicholson and like he, he, probably came, he probably came at him with that offer. He's like, let's just highball him and make this go away. It's nothing to him. And this is 94. Half a million dollars is... That's a good amount of money in 1994. I would... Mm. Like, you can smash my car again if you want. <laughs> um, uh, so, we also have uh, a, a, um, The Scream, the um, famous painting, um, was stolen out of Oslo at the start of the Winter Olympics. They thought that that might have something to do with it. Apparently, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of people in the... In the city for Oslo, um, they had just recently moved the painting from the uh, bottom floor to the, like the the first floor, um, and I, I think there was like a bit of a thing. Everyone sort of said like, because apparently the bottom floor of an art gallery has got like the most security because obviously you get the most foot traffic. So they said that like moving upstairs was a bit of a mistake, um, and these two, these two guys. If this actually, there's literally a, a photo of a ladder. Um, up against the wall of the Oslo Art Gallery. <laughs> they climbed up the ladder, broke a, win- broke a window, grabbed the scream, and were out under a minute. Um, wow. Then they also left a postcard saying, thanks for the poor security, which I thought was... <laughs> that's n- It would have been better if the postcard was from the actual gift shop <laughs> of the art gallery. <laughs> <laughs> we had so much time, we stopped by the gift shop. Yeah, we didn't pay for that that's either. <laughs> 
Um, they did get caught. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that in the, in in a couple months' time. But yeah, but it, it was it was stolen for like a, a good few weeks. But yeah, like the thing is like, and again, every article I read about this, if you steal the scream, you're not going to sell it. There's no way you can sell it because like it's just too well known. Um, but I think it did end up in um, uh, most of it always ends up in in London apparently. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you've if you've lined up a buyer beforehand in some black market type way, some weird rich mm. maniac. Yeah, but the, it probably wouldn't be a thing of like, I mean, I suppose it's, it's, it's like that, that famous, um, gallery, like the art heist that they covered in Buzzfeed Unsolved in Boston. Like those paintings probably aren't being sold. They're probably just like being stored somewhere. Like they're, they're probably has, has, has money being changed hands, but like, it's not like they went into the black market and said like, Oh, Hey, I've got the scream. Like, no one would be able to keep, keep, keep quiet about that. No, but there is 100% some crazy eccentric rich people that will just have a room full of expensive stolen goods, oh, yeah. and it's just just for them. Yeah. Um, and then getting into our true crime section, which I'm thinking might have to become a regular uh, segment in this event, because a lot of murder going on in the uh, mid-90s. Uh, so oh, yeah. Police began... There wasn't much else to do. <laughs> Police began to search the house of uh, Fred West, um, Fred and Rose West. I don't know whether you remember them. You might do. Um, I don't remember them, but we recently watched Dark Tourist, mm-hmm. and they did cover him a little bit. Dude, I I read about his entire like crime in researching this, and I was like... I don't want to read that ever again. <laughs> it's it is horrible. Like it's I, and the thing is, I I don't even really want to go into it. But like, and Rose West, like his wife, is pro- could could possibly be as bad, not if worse than him. Um, and doesn't get like the the full brunt of it. I think she's she's she is a horrible, horrible person. Um, I don't think I'd ever heard of them before. I remember this because um, this was the big thing where like they found a bunch of like, basically what happens if you if, if you don't know I'm gonna give you like a brief overview. Um, Fred West is uh, is um, is a house in in England where um, they found a lot of I think they found eight bodies underneath um, in his backyard and also underneath like um, like they made a pergola or patio type sort of thing they found underneath the concrete there. Um, a lot of them were his own like a couple of them were his own children. Um, most like mostly women and mostly had been like um tortured and sexually abused like beforehand and it's just like is it was a big thing because yeah they they um they just kept finding bodies like i remember the uh the footage on the news of the um in the backyard there was like a tent where they're like they're they're covering up the the digs and i remember that like burned into my memory and that's like you know watching it as a what would have been 11 year old at this point it's just one of those things like, oh shit, like <laughs> this is, there are some, this is like that sort of like, there are bad people in the world and I'm finding this out right now. Um, and yeah. to, and to compound that where you also have, and we won't go into it a lot now because I think, um, you I'll don't pre- even have to say his name. Yeah. Don't, don't give him the joy. Yeah. I'll probably go into it more in, um, in March or April, but, um, uh, the perpetrator of the Blangalos. Uh, state forest murders was starting to become under surveillance um, because a guy that he picked up who was going to be a potential victim, no doubt, 
freaked out and basically um, <laughs> jumped out of his car on the Hume Highway um, and then ran and got into another car just in time and and, um, and the killer didn't get to didn't get to him and uh, I think the police were that happened a couple of years ago and then the police were um, asking for assistance because they, they gave like a, a I think they gave like a vague um, like rundown of what the guy looked like and this guy oh that sounds, that sounds like an incident that happened to me and then like this th- that basically got them to knowing who this guy was and they started surveillance on him um, in, which would be tough yeah. because the description they would have got would have been you know 40% of Australian men at that time I think his I think his uh, his moustache was the big one because they, they said like they think they, think they, they might have even used like a Merv Hughes type moustache which is not good which surely me. was big at the time yeah, but like I mean, if if you were if you had been in the car and like had that incident and like, you know, um, and they said like we look, it's it's a pretty it's pretty uh, noteworthy sort of thing to have um, in yeah. the description sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I'm not going to mention his name because fuck him. Um, uh, again, yeah. if you want to hear um, a really really in depth uh, look at it, Case File did a six episode. Uh, stretch on this person and the killings and like also went into like um, how he could be responsible for even more than what we've what, what we've what we've know and that how he, his brother might be involved as well um, it's a really real I, I listened to all of it it was, it, was, it was actually the first true crime podcast I listened to in quite some time and it was it was a lot um, so I'd say like you know basically take your breaks and like you know if if you want to listen to it, but yeah, case files um, always. If you want all the facts and just given to you like in in a in a straightforward way, that's your podcast to listen to. Uh, so unfortunately, I don't have anything uh, lighter to kick off into sport. <laughs> um, remember the meteorite that fell into the ocean? They thought was a nuclear weapon. <laughs> <laughs> and here's oh, sport. <laughs> All right, well, I can start us off with some fun news because we are back in Olympic Town. We are, yeah. I didn't want to, I don't want to rain and pray too much with the uh, with the art heist, but yeah, it was uh, it was uh, Winter Olympics time, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, held in Norway. Yes. Uh, February seventeenth to twenty seventh. No, sorry, uh, February twelfth to twenty seventh. Yep. Standard two weeks. Um. I don't know if it was, was it the first time in Norway. Not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, good time had by all because it's the Winter Olympics um, and it's the best of the Olympics. I feel some curling coming on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, sadly, our new friends Russia mm. took out the title with 11 gold. Norway came second, oh. which is nice. I always like it when the home country does really well. And Australia... Rounded out the 22 with a single bronze. Oh. In what? Yeah, that's... Showing up. <laughs> yes. They spelt their name correctly on entry. <laughs> oh, they they did a hell of an opening ceremony. <laughs> Actually, bear with me one second. I'm going to find out what they did win. Australia won a bronze medal in the men's 5,000 metre short track relay. It was Same. Australia's first medal at the winter olympics it- uh yeah okay cool is it the same i didn't dude- know they did a skating relay is that the same dude that in like four years time would 
just skate around. Is that was that in the nineties? Oh, that, that just uh, um, Stephen Bradbury. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I feel like that might have been like two thousands, two thousand, two thousand four. That guy. That guy. You know, not for nothing, but he milked that for quite some time. Ah, <laughs> oh, he still is. Oh my god, it is him. Is it? <laughs> the relay team was Richard Nizleski. Sorry, Richard. Andrew Merthyr, Kieran Hansen, and Stephen Bradbury. He's just there. He's like, see. We got bronze, but I got a feeling sometime my time will come. We're a bunch of I mean, he cop <laughs> He cops a lot, but I think he's come out and said and people have defended him that he kept his feet. Like he was in it. He didn't give up. He went out and he just skated. And these things happen especially in speed skating. People stack it all the time in speed skating. Yeah, that's why people watch skate speed skating. <laughs> yeah. But he won a bronze and before you know what? that. Don't don't groan when I say that because if you ever watch speed skating, you can't tell me that at one point you're like, oh, one of these fuckers is going to fall over in a second. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to find out if the third place team fell down <laughs> and that's how Australia got the bronze. No, he's like a he's like a, a secret Tonya Harding. It's just like he just <laughs> hits them on the way through. <laughs> I am going to get your photo their team photo because this is like 94 primo stuff okay we have every type of australian here we've got the guy who wants to be in extreme okay you know you remember, you remember extreme the band yes more than words yeah we've covered that way too much on this <laughs> not enough um i think stephen bradbury might be going for a, like ben gillies look daniel johns i don't know and then you've got your two straight-laced nerds in the front of the photo. Um, okay. It's it's glorious. Uh, it'll be up on the Instagram once this episode is out. And okay. if it's out, you're listening to it right now. So it's up there. <laughs> I want to find out. Anyway, shall we move on to some more sport? Sure. Because that's why we're here. Uh, being the year of athletics, we had the Oceania Junior Athletics Championships. Oh, cool. Which coincided with the... Adult. Oceana. Oh, he does look like he's from Extreme. <laughs> yep. Oh or is it Michael god. Bolton? Oh Maybe my, it's Michael yes, Bolton. that's Michael Bolton. Oh my god, you got to Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that. Oh, they, they are two nerds at the bottom, aren't they? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, it's fine. You're good. All right. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um. Right. So the Oceania Athletic Championships. We had nine countries. Yeah. Or from the Oceania region. Uh, New Zealand topped out the juniors. Junior. And <laughs> the adults. You know what? Every time it makes me chuckle. It makes me chuckle. Uh, even better for you, uh, it was held in New Zealand, so they didn't have to take the boat. <laughs> what about the board? Because they were already there. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. All right, now this brings me to my last little piece. Mm. Is everyone ready? Is it curling? It better be curling. 1994 Scott Torman of Hearts. What's this? What's this? The Canadian Women's National Curling Championships. Hey! Welcome back, everybody. Oh, it's been a while. Oh, man. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, it is all out Canadian as well. So you're going to love these names of the are they provinces? Are they state? I think they're provinces in Canada, not states. S- Saskatchewan in there? It better be. Yes, it is. Manitoba. Yes, that was the semi-final. <laughs> you, I really, if I hated, like, if I didn't hate traveling so much, I probably would have even or already been there. I'd like, but I still know so much about Canada. <laughs> I'll never ever go there. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. G- g- give me the others. Uh, um, we, we've also got just Canada, which I find weird. Regina, so Canada Re- was a team. Regina, Regina. What? There's a there's a province called Regina. Is it? Yeah. Well, they did not compete in the curling championships. Okay, give me the other ones. <clears throat> we had Alberta. Oh yeah, cool. You should have had that. British Columbia. You should have had that. Well, it's Vancouver, so. <laughs> uh, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Which I always just I wanted to call Newfoundland because that's how it's spelt. But um, I went there and everyone yelled at me. You went to Newfoundland. Yeah, I saw Pearl Jam there twice. Ah, that sounds amazing. All right, cool. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, Prince Edward Island. Is that the one that's got the treasure? No. I don't think so. Is it... It's in it's in between Halifax and somewhere else. There's an island off of um, Vancouver that apparently like there's treasure buried there, and there's actually I think there's actually a oh. discovery show about them just like digging up half the island to find this treasure. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure if um, Prince Edward Island is an island because it is inside Canada. Oh, okay. Like it's between cities within like the landmass of Canada. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ontario, Yukon slash Northwest Territories. Nice. Yep. New Brunswick, Quebec, and Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Who won? There you go. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Canada won across the board. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. That's, that's, There's that's, no first or last. That's, that sounds so Canadian too. It's like, well then, what, who's the winner, eh? We're all winners. <laughs> <laughs> you're a winner? I, I, Buddy, you're I, a I winner? Don't, I don't get if if Canada, the team, is like people from areas that just didn't have their own team. It's just everyone wins. No one's no one's loser. It's like because there's a there's a team called Canada. Like yeah, we have each state and province, and then there's just Canada. I don't know. I feel like they're cheating. <laughs> Canada is actually an American team just dressed up as Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. That's uh, yeah. There. There's some sports, everyone. Good nice. to be back. Let's unfortunately go to film. <laughs> Okay, so... <sighs> okay. It's not that unfortunate. I mean, I had a reasonably good time. Let's go through them. Ace Ventura, Gunman, My Father the Hero, Naked, Romeo is Bleeding, Blank Check, The Getaway, My Girl 2, Blue Chips, On Deadly Ground, Reality Bites, and 8 Seconds. What did you watch? I watched quite a lot. I'm very impressed with myself. I didn't enjoy it as much as I watched, but... <laughs> I did Ace Ventura, Blank mm-hmm. Check, Blue Chips, On Deadly Ground, and Reality Bites. Eight seconds, I was tempted to because as a kid, it was such a big thing because it was Luke Perry and it was this epic thing and it was great. But don't ride bulls for fun. 
Um, that's not no. nice. And also, it's a. I watched the start ten minutes. I'm like, this is not a good film. <laughs> this is this is just oh. like a a Luke Perry, Luke Perry vehicle, um, and uh, everyone else is just along for the ride. It's just like let's just try and make him um, squint and look uh, <laughs> look cool as much as yeah. he can. Um, so, how about you? <clears throat> well, I watched Ace Ventura, Gunmen. Blank check, uh, blue chips on deadly ground and reality bites. So, I I I wanted to watch. Actually, no, I didn't want to watch. I had a. I'd heard a lot about my father, the hero. Um, it's apparently, um, it's a movie about a daughter who her dad is pretending to be her boyfriend. And the and the dad is play, the dad is played by Gerard Depardieu, <laughs> and the daughter is played by Catherine Heigl, and I'm like, I kept looking at the it's it's, it's on Disney, and I kept looking, at it, I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to watch that, I don't want to watch that, so I didn't watch that, like I can't. I, oh, okay. It was it was just uh, uh like it was one of those things. Is like I I'd rather watch the first twenty minutes of eight seconds. <laughs> Then another whole movie of that. So let's talk about. Look, I'm going to say the worst to last. Let's start with Blank Check. Walt Disney Pictures. Carl Quigley just stole a million dollars. Hello, beautiful. But by accident, Preston Waters. Look on my bike. If I check your dad, we'll know what to do with it. Blank Check. Is going to end up with it. Now he's getting everything he ever wanted. Doing everything he ever dreamed. Baby brother comes into his own. And teaching some careless crook that crime doesn't pay. That must hurt. Disney's Blank Check, rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. So I watched this with my sons because um, I thought, hey, <laughs> this this will be a nice wholesome movie uh, to watch with kids. Um, it is not. <laughs> it, is a, it is a weird movie. It is a there's, troubling. There's some there's some wholesomeness in there. There's it some is wholesomeness troubling. in there. Yeah, it's, it's a troubling movie. Um, the troubling bit being okay. So let's let, the actual movie is, um, there's, there's a twelve year old kid who doesn't really like it at home. Um, it's just fine because his home is pretty. His home life is a bit shocking. His his dad lets his brothers move into his room because they've got a small business, which I'm not sure what their small business is. It's just the fact that they said they've got a small business. Yeah, I don't think they ever really cover it, but they needed computers for their small business, even though they don't know how to use them. Yeah, so but this kid, he knows how to use a computer, and he set it up, and he's got the he's got the latest Mac, who's which has also got voice command, and <laughs> um, so what which happens is, is which is amazing, by the way. I I really envy this kid, and this kid spoke to me as a child because I was the youngest who knew how to use a computer in the family. Right. So this is right up my alley. So is, I do, do you I sucked all of this up. Do you have a lot of history with this movie? Not a lot of history. Like, I maybe only watched... I would have watched it less than five times as a kid, but it stuck with me so hard, and I loved it so much, even though I barely ever watched it. And probably where my my true original crush began with Karen Duffy. Okay. Probably my so, first celebrity crush ever. Well, we got... um. So, the kid gets a uh, a a check from his grandma but she just she she forgets to uh put a, an amount in so it's it's a blank check hence the movie so he goes to um his dad actually fills it in 
<laughs> he says like ten bucks. He's like, oh, I got that last year. He's like, oh, 12 bucks. <laughs> his dad's a yeah. bit of a his dad's been real dick in this movie. And he's played so well um, by uh, James Rebhorn. Um, we'll see him a lot more in '90s movies. He's like one of the be- he's one of the dickheads in um, Independence Day that doesn't like the president. Very importantly, at the start, a man escapes prison and makes out with some money and talks to it because that's what bad guys do. Oh, sorry. Um, and also, we we never really like no one's looking for this guy either. Like I thought. <laughs> no, apparently not. Yeah. So he hides his money in this bank, and when he leaves the bank. He runs into Preston with his car and crashes his bike. And then he goes to write this kid a check because that's what everyone did in the 90s. But like Preston's grandma, forgets to write any amount. And then Preston being the computer whiz, goes home, fakes out the check that it says a million dollars. He goes to the bank. He's like, I want to cash my million dollar check. (laughs) And they laugh at him. Um, And then they get the manager out. The manager's like, oh... You're that guy that's come to pick up the million dollars for the bad guy that likes to make out this money. Yeah. And gives this kid the stolen money accidentally. Well... And then he buys an absolute mansion for $300,000. He buys a castle for that much. It's like... It's, it's a, a li- grotto. It's incredible. Um, the person that is that actually does um, turn up to pick up the money for the gangster is paid by a Tone Loke. And we, we are... Uh, this is Funky Cold Medina Tone Loke here. We're covering two movies with Tone Loken in the one month. <laughs> so, and excuse me, there's also two Karen Duffy films this month. There is two, kind yeah. of. Yeah, I mean, brief, but you know, so, I yeah, love um, Tone Loken this as well. He's so good. His his um, he is like one of the person, that, uh, an actor that that has like. I like how he just doesn't like kids. Like, and you can even see that it's like a lot of people, like, you know, they act like they don't like kids. Like, Tone Loke looks like visibly annoyed that he has to like share scenes with this kid. And like, there's a, I was even saying to my wife, there's a, there's a scene where Tone Loke's like chasing this kid in the park. I'm like, what do you reckon would happen if he actually like caught up with him? And I was like, oh, he'd kill him. (laughs) It's weird because it's, they make it so goofy and playful. Like, he's just chasing him and he runs through his legs and he gets away and ha ha ha. But I feel like he would just he would flat out punch this kid in the face if he got a hold of him. Oh, he would just he would just like upright murder this this child. Um, yeah. So, but also, how come it's funny and it's cool for Tone Loke to not like kids? But if I go to the zoo and have a good time because there's no kids around, I'm a bad person. Because you didn't write Funky Cold Medina. Um, so, yeah, so Preston goes on a bit of a, a spending. Uh, binge and buys everything. He gets a cool limo Keep... driver. I kind of like his You're... limo driver. <laughs> Rick Dukeman from Groundhog Day. Oh, uh, Rick Dukeman from Gloriousness. Uh, uh, the Burbs. Um, yeah, this guy, and he he pops up in so many '90s movies, and he's always a delight. Um, he's the best. Also, he does not question the fact that he's um, that he's just buying. He's, he's driving this kid around um, because Preston also says that he's doing it. Um, for this guy called Mr. McIntosh, which he gets off the side of his computer. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it is. Whether... Because the the computer's the one doing all the talking. That I don't makes know whether, sense. I don't know whether, like, I would call this good a genius. I just call everyone around him just, like, extremely dumb. Um, yes. We've got... The kid is uh... also dumb, though, to be fair. He throws an enormous birthday party for no apparent reason, makes it really adult, invites all these adults... Going the best party ever, and 
it's not a kid's... I don't know. He's very, very weird with his money choices. Yeah, and then like there's a, he gets a party planner for the birthday party. <laughs> and then when she realizes that this mysterious Mr. McIntosh can't pay for the party... Um, she like she shuts it down in the middle of the party, and people start taking their gifts and taking them away, and it's just so fucking weird. Um, it's just like it's it's a really disjointed movie. Like I don't get, um, like I, I know it's a kids' film, and I know it's like you know a lot of people like look back on it with very much fondness, but it's such a weird, yes, stupid film. Um, Karen Duffy I was... plays. Let's let's get to the Karen Duffiness of this all because, like, okay, this is this is this is this is, this is shocking. Um, she plays. She's at the start. She plays a bank teller, but we find out that she's an undercover FBI agent. We don't really find out. Like, she knows that there's there's a bunch of dodgy stuff going on at the bank there, and then she becomes embroiled in sort of like this whole Mister McIntosh and the money, and um, she's on track. But she knows that this kid knows this this fictional Mr. McIntosh. So she goes undercover on a date with him. Yep. She leads him on. Um, not very subtly though, because she's always asking about Mr. McIntosh yeah. to the point where even Preston's brothers are teasing him, thinking that she's just using him to get to his money or to his boss. Yeah. And he's like, and- no, she loves me. We're going to be together. And he would be right in thinking that because that date, she is hardcore flirting with him. They go through some like flat. She has a very wet, um, to, to, they run through these fountains. This is um, very inappropriate, but it's kind of cute. And no. I discovered watching this movie, this would be very, very damaging for me growing up to watch this. Yes. yes I, it I have no doubts now that this has profoundly <laughs> affected the way I see relationships. It's like, past relationships, like, where do you even get your ideas from? Blank check. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Not so- all of them, because... He kept quite a good budget, and that is not my thing. <laughs> um, so, and and at the end, she does give him a kiss too, and it's not it's not a peck, it's a kiss. It's on I'm the not, mouth. It's on the it's it a, is on the um, mouth. Uh, it's not open mouth. I'll give him that, but it's a it is a kiss from a I'm thinking twenty seven year old woman to an eleven year old boy. <laughs> and then she arranges to have a date with him once he turns eighteen, which is <sighs> also not appropriate. No, no, it's just like, and like, can you imagine if they've reversed the genders in this? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, um, time has not been good for uh, Brian Bonsall, too, the uh, the uh, actor who plays Preston. Um, he uh, he's had some uh, run-ins with the law, drink driving, um. Second degree. I mean, it's all downhill after this. Secondary assault. gives you second degree assault, are you going to say? Secondary assault and false imprisonment after an altercation with his girlfriend. Oh, no. Um, and then he's in a punk band. Do you think his girlfriend wouldn't run through the water fountain with him? <laughs> uh, he was in the Ataris for a Weird. year. Weird. For a year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All I can um, picture him is his character, like... So, do you remember the scenes where... So, he has no friends, I should mention. No. His, his one friend throughout the film that his parents think are his friends hate him and mocks him mercilessly. They take they go, so, to the, they go to a theme park and then his dad gives him $6 to go to a theme park with him. It's like, what the fuck? 
like most kid. most things cost seven bucks and he's got six bucks so he's got no friends for this entire film and there's really good like montages of him like getting all these toys and having a great time and then eventually he gets sad because he has no one to share it with yeah but this is what you always wanted this has been your entire life you never had anyone to share it with so what do you want this is perfect why aren't you happy yeah, so like, What's like wrong with you? It, it, it's, it's got echoes of Kevin. It's like, this is exactly what you wanted. You wanted your family to disappear. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he wastes it all. And I can't help but think that's been his entire life of just like thinking he wants to be in the Ataris and he gets in there. He's like, no, bands are dumb. This isn't what I wanted. <laughs> and he wants a girlfriend. He's like, no, this is shit. I don't like her either. The judge goes, you the blank check kid. Oh, yeah. Okay. This, <laughs> this, this all works out. <laughs> um, yeah, we need. Fits. We need to move on to other um, things. So, like, um, let's just go through a, a couple more. Um, I watched On Deadly Ground. I kind of wish I hadn't because um, it's Steven Scal and he's a massive piece of shit. Um, this is the one that he did when he's a... Uh, <laughs> he's supposed to be a um, uh, an eco-warrior in it. So, he's like, he works for this guy. He works for uh, Michael Caine, who owns um, oil oil rigs. <laughs> Oh, how's that accent, Michael? What are you doing? Oh my god, um, Michael Caine is is fun to watch in this. Uh, we've got John C. McGinley, uh, Doctor Cox. Um, is he the... being British as well? His accent's a bit weird. Nah, he's just being he's being Doctor Cox in this, and he's like, I look, I I every scene that he was in, I was over the moon. He was fucking amazing. Um, uh, so there's you know there's like... you know who else was in this? Who else? LaFours from Mulrat. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> did you read the uh, what happened on... Um, no. Apparently, uh, um, Steven Seagal said that he couldn't... Oh, he, says, he basically challenged him to, to punch him and LaFours decked him and knocked him out. <laughs> no way. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, we got this scene that apparently, so at the end, like, this is the one also directed by him. Like, he directed this. And there's a scene at the end where he goes on, like, for a while about how um, oil and, like, big companies are ruining the environment. Like, it goes on for a while. Um, it used to go on for nine minutes. <laughs> God. And the test audience apparently were booing and throwing stuff at the screen and they're like, you got to cut it down. So, and like, I think it still goes on for quite some time. Um, yeah, it, it actually, does. It was supposed to be called Rainbow Warrior. That was supposed to be his thing. Um, also, let, let's. Uh, there's also a bit in there where he goes. He basically gets um, uh, injured and then saved by um, a tribe of um, Native Americans. Um, it was his insistence that they do this like healing ritual, like the the women of the tribe do. And they are all nude. Um, that is not actually of what they do. Uh, he, was, he, 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 he went in and said, like, I want you to be nude. And anyone watching that was from that particular tribe or that region said, like, there's no way that we do that. Like, that's, that's just like a Stim Skull special. Um, gross. He is a gross, gross person. And if you actively enjoy his films, you need to take a fucking look at yourself <laughs> um, which is kind of a shame because he had a message here and he had something important that was i mean he might have just been jumping on a bandwagon because environment was like very high at the moment like the top of everyone's rails like we need to fix the environment yeah yeah but the way he's done it is 
atrocious. I uh, also should say, um, <clears throat> so he actually he he want, he filmed apparently forty minutes for that environmental speech. <laughs> And then cut it down to nine, and then they cut it down again. Can you imagine forty minutes oh. of him just saying how the world's being destroyed by the environment? Probably just repeating himself, talking in circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there was one highlight to this film, though. What's that? I uh, I don't remember if you. There's a scene in basketball <laughs> where this is very relevant. Don't worry. Okay. Matt Stone is like looking off to the distance, like how he's going to win the game, and like he's the hero. And then Trey Parker walks in behind him and everyone starts cheering. But it's that weird, like, kind of background, but, like, foreground cheering. It's like, yeah, Coop's here. We're going to win. Thank yeah, God, yeah. Coop's back. That happens when Steven Seagal first comes on the scene. There's this huge fire. And all the work went around. was like, oh, Forrest is here. Forrest is going to save the day. Oh, yeah. The fire is going to out. Yeah, thank God Forrest is here. It's so cheesy. It's so gross. It's so dumb. Yeah. And it it's... was... It's so hilarious at the same time. Like this is going to be great, and then it was all downhill from there. Yeah, it's just so instance. Like at least with Arnie or Stallone or Van Dam, you know they are in there and they've got some like I wouldn't say integrity, but they've got some. They've got like a presence in there. He is like a he is like a a, a blank piece of paper walking into a room. It's just like <laughs> there's just nothing to him. Um, he's a blank check that someone put eleven dollars on. A blank check that, um, Billy Bob Thornton's in this film, um, just to add to the uh, the creepiness. Um, we've got and not not weirdly skinny. No, Ali Ermi, yeah. um, for the second time, just pops up. He was in um, Body Snatchers in January, so like Ali Ermi's just like going, uh, "I'm looking for a movie. <laughs> just put me in there. I can, <laughs> I'm going to be the same character I was in the last movie, but I'm going to be in there." It's like. Ali, you can be in any movie. That's fine. Um, um, yeah. Going back quickly to Blank Check and the profound effect it has on your psyche growing up, Steven Seagal is trying to show that he's a good guy. Like, he beats up people that call their names and racists and people that bad env- environment. Like, he goes around, but he beats it up. He's all about just attacking it. So growing up, even if you want to be a good person, you're like, all right, well, if someone's mean to me, I, just, I have to beat the shit out of them. That's, yeah, that's the only solution. And I, His, I, I, Everything about him is just violent. It was hard to watch, and, I, and it went on for way too long. Um, so I don't think we've got too many more. I think we've got another Under Siege, and then we, we start to get some... We get some, The thing is like Fire Down Below and a few other ones, but yeah. It was like... I, I actually have... There's been two films that we haven't covered of his because I was just like, no. Nah. I don't want to. I don't want to do this, but I, I need to do it on daily ground because I know it was just batshit crazy. Yes, but now we've given it too much time. Let's yeah. Let's get so on let's... to more problematic films. Okay. Well, I'm going to say that the 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 worst one to last. We're going to talk. Let's let's talk about blue ships because blue ships was a breath of fresh air in this in this um month. I really love blue ships. Uh, I loved um, Nick Nolte's sweater more than anything in the world. It was amazing. That blue sweater he's rocking throughout the entire movie. I, I want it. I wonder if that was a choice because I did not know that he was previously voted Sexiest Man Alive. I didn't know that was possible. By what magazine? By by Grumpy, grumpy Old Man magazine. Yeah. Well, because back then he was... He was young and like he was, he just screamed at things. He had this, you know, passion about him. So I kind of get it, but he's not attractive. So physically, this, this, as far as I'm concerned. 
this movie, like, it starts off, it actually starts off pretty funny because, like, and I know that it, he wasn't aiming for funny, but they start off, if you've never seen Blue Chips, Blue Chips is, like, um, about a college basketball team and Nick Nolte's the coach and the team has been having a rough run. So he, um, and he knows that other teams, like the football team and the baseball team at the same university, are basically buying players, which they're not really supposed to do. They're offering him all sorts of incentives and stuff. And he's never done that. And this, but, like, the fact that he wants to win is tempting him over to the dark side of, of doing that. Um, but so yeah, at the start of the movie, like they're having a, his team's having a rough run and he's going in and basically telling him how terrible they are. And he does it a few times. So he comes in and he basically tells them that they're the, they're the worst team he's ever had. And then he leaves and then his assistant coach is like, all right, boys. And then he comes back in and he does another, and he does it four times. And by the fourth time, I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Surely that's got to be a joke. Like, <laughs> I don't they know. had to know that that was going to be humorous. I don't know. I think, like, I think at some point it's like, it was like, because the third time you're like, oh man, like, these players are like, because they, they, they're, they're panning around at the players too, and they're all going, they look like they're going to cry. <laughs> and then it comes in a fourth time, I'm like, this is funny now. <laughs> um, I found it really odd that the, the whole story of this film is the dodginess and the, you know, the the payments and the stuff that goes on that shouldn't be going on and it wasn't just a redemption savior like uh air up there style yeah where they go out they steal this talent and it changes the world whereas this like it doesn't show that he's a great coach it doesn't show that he saves a team or saves the university he goes out and buys players and suddenly starts winning yeah yeah i think it's i mean i do feel like this was um like I, this thing, I don't like sports that much, but I do like a sports film. And this one, I felt, it doesn't have a climax game like it does with um, Air Up There. Like it's kind of the the actual games are not the the, the big deal. It's, it's the it's the behind the scenes. It's quite, kind of why I like um, Moneyball so much. Moneyball is like an amazing movie for someone who doesn't yeah. like sports. Um, so this one, I think, um, like, so he, he basically has this re- re- reputation of being like a, a hothead that in the first game. He grabs the ball off the referee and kicks it into the stadium, which I think and the best bit was when he's talking to um, his wife, his ex-wife afterwards, and he actually goes, did it hit anybody? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he does actually care. Um, uh, yeah, he, um, so he kicks the ball. Um, he, there's a lot of sort of um, uh, actors that sort of pop up. Ed O'Neill's in this um, from um, Married, Married with Children. He actually plays like a quiet, he plays like a, a, a reporter that's like, um, doesn't like Nick Nolte and, and basically thinks he's got some dirt on him and, you know, turns out that he does. Um, and then he comes to love Nick in the, in the final scene. Yeah. He's like, I respect you. Well done. Um, and then we also got um, Mary McDonald plays um, Nick Nolte's ex-wife. She's amazing in it. Um, she'll, she's the uh, the Mrs. President in Independence Day. If you if you need if you need uh, to be reminded, um, J T. Walsh. J T. Walsh is um, he plays a guy called Happy. He's like uh, the, um, he, the money he's, man. He's basically the money man. He's he's the one that's like telling um, Nick Nolte that he needs to give these incentive to players to come and play for his team. Um, JT Walsh, whenever you see him walk into a room, you know that he is the bad guy and he made a good career out of that. He's in, um, a few good men. We'll see him in the negotiator. That's like, that's where I always um, know him from. And also he plays an awesome, uh, role in, uh, Pleasantville, one of my favorite films. 
I, I'm, 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 I'm sure that will change when I watch it again, but I really love Pleasant Hill. Yeah. Um, uh, and he plays it great in this. He's like, he's, he's, he's basically saying to Nick Nolte and like, there's a bit of a, um, revelation late in the movie saying that, oh, look, you know, I've already bought one of your players. Like he threw a game, um, uh, last season and you didn't even realize. And that's when Nick Nolte's like, shit, like he's like, I'm already in the midst of it. Like, you know, where am I going to go from here? It's, it's a really, really good movie. Um, the, the, the soundtrack's really good. Like it's like a bluesy type sort of soul soundtrack. Love it. Like there's, um, I think T-Bone Burnett did a lot of it. Um, I don't know. Can we, can we get to the real issue? Shaq? Growing up. (laughs) Yes. Growing up like a basketball kid, um, any basketball film as a kid, like this is amazing. I didn't realize as a child until like when I watched it last night. So he's on the cover, right? He's Duncan. Nick Nolte's in the corner. That's the poster. It is Shaq. Playing basketball I in a, a film. False, I had a false memory of him breaking the backboard and then he does not do that in this movie. I thought he's... 40 the... minutes. Yeah. 40 minutes until we see Shaq. Yeah, so if you were a kid like growing up and you, you want to see Shaq in a film, it's like... And I, I remember this was the Shaq film from back in... Yeah. Like, when it was, you know, everyone was like, oh, I want to see Shaq. And I think... um, Isn't there a Hardaway in it or... Uh... Penny Hardaway's in it. Um, yeah, yeah. Apparently Kevin Garnett's in there somewhere. Okay. I didn't see him though. So, um, yeah, you don't see him until 40 minutes in. And like, um, and Sha- look, I, I, you know, as we all know now, like Shaquille O'Neal does a lot of stuff like on camera now and he's actually quite, um, a lot of people think he's, well, no, not think he is, but like he, he's, he's a pretty good presence on like a lot of the commentary shows at ESPN and lots of stuff. He's like, very he's, charismatic. He's very charismatic. And in this film, I think out, out of, Considering we've seen a lot of movies with like um, sports stars who aren't actors, I think he holds his own quite well. I think he's like he's not in it a lot. He doesn't have a lot of lines or screen time, but I thought he's really good. And so is Penny Hardaway. Yeah, like I completely buy him as a college student. Yeah, um, there's a bit where because um, uh, basically uh, Shaq doesn't have the um, doesn't have the the score to get into college, so he needs to be tutored by. Nick Nolte's wife, which we find out actually he doesn't need to be. He's actually quite smart. He just doesn't want to be. He didn't. He didn't want to pass the the, the test and all that stuff. Um, but his time with Mary McDonald is really good. He, they go to a kindergarten class and he's picking up the kids. <laughs> <laughs> he's just this huge dude. And I think she even says she's like, oh, "Can you not? Can you not? Is that? Can you not dunk the kids? Or can you? Can you not pick up the kids? That's amazing." Um, I enjoy how often he says things are culturally biased. Sometimes yeah. because it is, and then sometimes like he's just saying it to to fuck with people. He fucks with you. Uh, there's a bit where he's in a in a lecture and he puts his hand up and the guy's like, "Oh," and he's like, and the guy tries to get all sort of like white uppity with him. And is like, "Oh, this is just a this is a lecture. You don't put your hand up." And he's like, "This is culturally biased." <laughs> and he's just just doing it just so he doesn't because he's bored basically. <laughs> it's yeah, amazing. And the guy's um, like. Well, we're talking about this history and time, and that's what the whole class is about. Did you read the class description? He's like, uh, no, sorry. And then just sits back down. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what about, what about African history? <laughs> oh, man, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I can say right now, um, this is my, this is my movie of the month. Like, I really, really Ooh. enjoyed it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, let's go on to, um, we'll touch on reality bites for a bit. Like, did you, did you like it? I, 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 found Ethan mm. Hawke just reprehensible in this. Like, I think Ethan Hawke... Oh, I hate him so much. 
So this is the reason I hate him, and it might be the reason that you hate him too. I think this gave way to so many manipulative piece of shit men who, like, if I play the tortured artist type sort of thing, if I sort of had this, like, he's got this look to him that's just so universally icky. And I'm sure, like, just paved the way for, like, a whole generation of dudes just like him to fuck with, you know, um, their relationships and, and just, like, be be horrible. What, is that why you don't like him? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's essentially exactly why I hate him. Um, <laughs> pretentious, gross... I don't know if he went to college or not, but that... Kids that went to uni or college and then they left and they had this awe of, like, I know everything and I know the world is garbage, so I'm just going to be garbage because it's worthless. It just, yeah. And like, it's so gross. I hate him so much. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I came across something and, like, I, I, I would be, I would not be being honest if I didn't think, that like, at some point I probably went through the same phase. Like, probably not for a long time, but, like, in your mid 20s, I know that there's always shades. Like, probably not to the extreme of, of his character in Reality Bites, but I think everyone has those shades because, like, you do get sort of world-worn. You, like, go, oh, what I believed in my teens is probably not what I believe now and I've got more cynical sort of thing, but I suppose it's, like, it's usually people's, like, um, you, you find the good in something else and, like, you know, don't don't get too bogged down on it, but this guy... Uh, also sarcasm, discovering sarcasm. Like, yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, I get That's that. That's great. Yeah. Um, ben Stiller in this. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of like um, serious Ben Stiller. Like, I, 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 he does a, he's, he does another movie called um, I'm not sure when it comes out, but um, Permanent Midnight, where it's a quite a serious film oh. about addiction and stuff like that, and like it's, it's quite cool. But in this one, um, my standout from from the very, like. I fell in love with her during Janine Garofalo. I was obsessed with <laughs> throughout the nineties. Yeah. Um, like I, I loved everything about her. Um, just her delivery. Um, I loved her look and just everything. So yeah, I, um, that was usually the reason I watched this. And also like, I really love the Maestrona scene. If you don't, you haven't got a soul. It's pretty funny. <laughs> But even in that, even that scene where it's amazing and like Janine Garofalo is doing her amazing dance. Ethan Hawke's just got this glib, like, look on his face of like, oh, got to hang out with these guys. Yep. And as much as I love Winona Ryder and, like, in this film, and she's so cute and she's so nice, the way that she always goes back to him. Mm, yeah. I mean, you can't blame her. That's obviously, you know, this was society at the time and he's gaslighting you and you can't help that you want to fix his tortured soul and love him. But, oh, it makes me so angry. It's just, but I, at the same time, this, this is how it was. This is a perfect depiction of mid nineties people in their twenties that lost you. It's singles all over again. It's singles probably like a little bit more bite to it. Like there's like singles was a little bit too airy fairy. <laughs> I think there's a bit more bite to this one. Bite. Yeah. Um, I love, um, look, I don't care. I love Lisa Loeb's song stay. <laughs> I love that song so much. I don't know why. It's so good, but it's ruined for me a little bit. The fact I found out that Ethan Hawke is—he got the song in the film. Uh, yeah. And I don't really know much of him. I think outside like, of the I, film, I, I but think now okay. I just hate him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like um, I think John Cusack gets that too. Like I think people hate his face, but 
but like I think he's actually a generally good person and I really like John Cusack um, but yeah I think he falls into that um, category of like Ethan Hawke John Cusack um, a couple others like you either love him or you hate him um, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't mind I, I liked the Before Sunset and Before Sunrise which is you know is actually kind of weird because he does have traces of this of this same character in those movies too um, but yeah this one um, look stay for is it- stay, stay for Janine Groffalo and stay <laughs> the song. <laughs> so this is all leading us to um, I didn't I didn't watch My Girl two. Um, I didn't get to watch the. I actually kind of wanted to watch the Getaway, but I couldn't find it anywhere to um, to stream. Um, I kind of wanted to do it. I didn't get to watch Romeo's Bleeding. Um, Naked. All I know about that one is that it was um, it was one of those uh, situations where someone had recorded Slank on TV and then naked was on, um, like afterwards. So I think, I, and it's got some, like some pretty full on scenes in it. So throughout my uh, teenage years, I might've, um, I think I saw about three quarters of naked <laughs> and, um, oh. and just could, you know, just, you know, just kept like, you know, rewinding and, you know, fast forwarding. <laughs> um, so let's, let's, let's talk about, uh, Ace Ventura. Pet Detective. Jim Carrey is Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> He's the best there is. Excuse me, gentlemen. Pet Detective. Actually, he's the only one there is. You really love animals, don't you? If it gets cold enough. Now, the mascot of the Miami Dolphins has been kidnapped. Oh, righty then. And he's on the case of a lifetime. Listen, pet dick. How would you like me to make your life a living hell? Well, I'm not really ready for a relationship, Lois. There's no place he won't go. Captain's log. Stardate 23.9. Ace, get out of the tank. I just can't do it, Captain. I can't have the power. Nothing he won't do. And no one he can't handle. Right. Um, I haven't even made any notes. I don't know what to say. This, I will say that this podcast has, um, I, I, did, an, I did another cull of my physical media, like my, my DVDs and Blu-rays um, uh, this, like, in the last couple of weeks. I now do not own either Ace Ventura or Wayne's World films because I'm like, I don't think Ooh. I need them anymore. <laughs> um, they were always like mainstays. I'm like, it's one of those ones like, oh yeah, I'll keep them in there. And like, I look, I knew um, the problem with Ace Ventura and I still sort of kept on to it. And I'm like, and I started to get ready to, to watch it this time because I hadn't seen it for quite some time. I think I've seen the second one a few few more times than the first, um, which is a whole new whole other thing um so was, you, you told me about the issues coming into well not about them but you kept warning me of like this is a problem this is a problem yeah. and i knew what you're talking about but the whole time i was like nah it won't be that bad nah nah they don't they don't really nah it'd be fine right and then you um, remember and you see all the scenes and you're like oh no there's and it's not even okay so like i wasn't sure if you've never seen it um Jim Carrey plays Ace Ventura. He's a pet detective, and he's on the case to find a missing uh, dolphin um, that's been stolen from the Miami Dolphins. And hilarity for some people ensues. Um, also, just quickly, when he finds that lady's little dog, mm-hmm. and she can't pay him, mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going on there as a child. 
I was oh. like, where does she go? Why is he hanging onto the ceiling and swinging around? And now I watch it and I still think, why is he hanging onto the ceiling and swinging around? <laughs> well, his pants are still on. Oh, yeah, obviously. And it's like, you know, and it's just like, you know, he's a guy who basically gets paid in sex if he can. And it's like, look, <clears throat> the the obvious thing is like, so if you don't know, the, the, the and I'm not spoiling anything because like it's a sport movie. Um, at the end... You find out that the the main bad guy in the movie has been posing as a um, a female lieutenant and has been in has basically um, uh, been in drag. Well, not drag, but like you know, he's 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 dressed himself up as a woman. And then on realizing this, Ace Ventura shows a, a big room of men that this um, lieutenant that they thought was a, a woman is actually a man. And then every person in the room starts throwing up uh, because they've obviously... I don't know whether they, like... It means that she's, like, kissed or slept with all of them or... Because um, there's a bit where... where There's a, there's a huge, like, mon- like um, montage of, uh, of Jim Carrey, like, brushing his teeth and burning his clothes and having a shower crying naked because he kissed... He finds out that he kissed a guy inadvertently. And it's just, it's mm. fucking gross. It is like, it is the hugest overreaction to this this thing. And it's like, it's anyone who watched this could not help, especially in a time where like, you know, if you're 11 or 12, you cannot help but be marred by this and have your like worldview skewed by a, a, a guy that's like a funny comedian telling you that if you accidentally kiss a dude, you need to like, put a plunger on your face and like suck out the the evil or whatever. And like the biggest star at the time, mid nineties, Jim Carrey is when it comes to comedy, like he he was the biggest. Yeah. And I know you either loved him or you hated him, but he he was gospel with, with what was funny at this time. Yeah. Basically. And like the throughout the entire movie, like I mean it's it's not just that like that's the worst scene basically the, the the transphobic scene but then throughout the whole movie like there's there's bits where you know there's the very problematic bit of the fact that he has sex with courtney cox while in a room full of animals um <laughs> i don't know i think he's also um yeah i don't know it's it, it, like courtney cox apparently hates this film um sean young um she's had like if you want to look into her career um she she lost a lot of her um cachet Thanks to James Woods, apparently they had a really vicious breakup, and apparently he like slandered her name all throughout Hollywood. Apparently, like she had some issues on the set of Blade Runner. Um, she was nearly in Indiana Jones. There's like a there's a there's a famous Ooh. Hollywood tale about apparently like she she was supposed to be in Indiana Jones, but then something happened in the audition, and no one will actually say exactly what happened. But apparently, she was being difficult. Um, but yeah, if you ever look through, mm. just just basically look through. Um, uh, Google on like um, Sean Young and and um, and what she's had to deal with. It's pretty it's pretty gross. Um, Tone Loke is back <laughs> as one of the police officers. Um, we've got Dan Marino in there who was actually a football star at the time. Um, it's uh, look. I will say okay. There's one there's one bit that I still find funny, which is hard because only like, one. I like the whole party scene is hilarious. Like I love that bit where he basically goes to a party to like go on like to, to find out clues to like where the dolphin is and he goes with Courtney Cox. 
Um, and that entire scene um, where he goes, um, he inadvertently finds himself in a shark tank and like is, uh, <laughs> it's not snowflake. Yes. Um, <laughs> that scene is, is pretty funny. And like, there, there, there is like shining moments where like, you know, but the thing is he had control over a lot of the, the um, he, it was his idea to rip the clothes off for Sean Young at the end. Like there's a bit where he literally disrobes her in front of an entire room of men, but mostly men. And like, that's, that's, that's Kerry. That, that, he, he wanted that sort of thing. So it's like, I know. So obviously this is a comedy at its roots. So it's not about any real life issues, but I feel watching it now, there is a question of, so obviously Finkel went through some mental health issues. Yeah. after Lace's Out incident. But they don't really delve into, did he transition to a woman um, to get away from this life? Or is he disguising himself as a woman so he can become a police officer, steal this dolphin, and ruin Marino's career? Like, is it all just one yeah. thing of, like, I'm going to pretend to be a woman so I can get my way? Or was I not comfortable as a man, and now you know, I'm a woman, this is who I am? Like, they don't acknowledge what path he has taken because I yeah. don't think they care or know or even think about that at the time. No, no. And it's the thing, like, that they probably wouldn't. It's like, it's this big reveal. And I mean, not to, um, I mean, I say not to spoil it, but, like, I just recently watched Naked Gun 33 and a third, um, released two months after this Ace Ventura, and they have a oh, bit in lady. that where he sees... Um, uh, and Nicole Smith, um, she takes off her dress and there's, then there's like a shadow and then like you find out that she's got a penis and he does the same thing where he goes and finds somewhere to throw up because he kissed her. And it's like, these two productions were from different studios and had nothing about them, but they had both had the same exact joke of like uh, extreme violent reaction to unknowingly yeah. kissing a man. And it's like, that was a punchline in 1994 that shouldn't have been a punchline. And I don't care yep. if people are saying, like, you're being too woke about this and it's like, oh, it was of its time. Fuck that. Like, this is a thing where you, you, you're basically saying, like, if you find yourself in a position where you've kissed someone... Um, imagine how many closeted gay kids are watching that and going, like, well, if that's the right direction, what people are going to think of me? Like, what the fuck? So it's like... Or the, the Jim Carrey fans that have transitioned or are trying to or want to and then they see that and they go, oh, great. So yeah. I'm going to be ostracized by everyone I know. Thanks, So the Jim. thing is, so this is basically like, after watching this, I'm like, I'm never, ever going to show this to my kids. Like, it's just not something it's, it's that's that. Like, because there's no way you can watch that with your children and then, like, explain it away in a way that's going to be um, good for them. So like, I, I just, like, I'm like, I'm just, it's just something that they're just never going to experience. Until, like, I don't want to, I don't want to sh shed, like, any too much positive light on the film because it, it's not good and people probably shouldn't watch it. But like he said, that scene where he's at the party, Yeah. when I was 12 years old, I had my Macintosh and my microphone and I recorded him coming out of the toilet saying, do not go in there. Woo! And <laughs> you remember when, did you have a Macintosh? Probably not. No. Uh, you could change the sounds, like the error notice sounds and like the login sounds, all that sort oh, of stuff. Right. Yeah, I changed yeah. one of the sounds... So when like something failed and like something wouldn't open or something wouldn't happen, 
that sound would play. <laughs> and I was so happy with myself. I loved that scene so much. And there I... was still little moments like when he's in the tank, he's being funny, like his little goofy bits that are just him being goofy. Yeah. Still kind of get like a, a snicker, like I'll still smile. Even the start. When but he overall. Is, he is and he, he finds like the dog in the, the dude's apartment and like he's got the, he, he he's like a delivery man and he's um pretending <laughs> he's got this package and he's just throwing it around. Um, yeah. That's pretty fun. Um, one of my favorite bits and it's just this really subtle bit. He's walking to the party and he walks past the, someone playing the violin and he just grabs her arm <laughs> and does this like this and it makes, it makes it go whoop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so fucking good um, so the thing is but the thing I, I'm like uh, and like I haven't watched it again in quite some time but I know it's coming up like Dumb and Dumb is coming up but I'm thinking like if I'm going to showcase to my kids you know what um, what Jim Carrey was like to me back in the 90s I think I'll probably start with Dumb and Dumber and, um, and give this one a miss so uh, I really hope that's going to be okay because Karen Duffy's in it so it's got to be good I know yeah so let's get I mean, we've been on movies for a heck of a long time now so let's get Oof. into uh, let's get into TV Okay, so TV, um, not a lot of. Uh, I, I said I've been. I was looking for. Um, been looking for, for weird pilots and stuff. I've got one coming up, but in Australia we had the premiere of Heartbreak High, which was a um, the TV adaption of um, a movie called The Heartbreak Kid. Um, I never watched it because, like, um, I we, like I don't know. We were we were not a big soap opera house. Like, we didn't watch a lot of that stuff because Dad was like usually like. Oh, what's up? <laughs> so we're like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we'll watch the stuff that you want us to watch. Um, but I think my sister watched it quite a bit. But um, yeah, I was I was not sort of on that train. Um, I, I had two older sisters, so it was on quite often in our house, and I right. don't recall having any problems with that. You were, it was you, like a cool neighbors. It was a cool home and away. Did you try and be? Did you try and live up to being like Drazik? Is it Drazik the cool? The, yeah, I was too young to try and emulate any of them. You didn't get an eyebrow ring? <laughs> no. Um, we also had... Um, so they started a TV show of Aladdin, um, which wasn't too bad. It was, it was you know... Um, I also didn't get Robin Williams back to the to do the voice. They had Dan Castellaneta, um, aka Homer Simpson, to do the voice of the genie. Um, we also had a really, really cool show that I was into um, called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Uh, it was really like I was a big big fan of the, the the video game, and they if you've never watched it, like you actually start off, it's like real life, and this kid's playing a video game, and then then you get sucked into the video game and and solve the mysteries and lots of stuff. And um, it was actually well regarded because it was one of the few kids animated shows that if they were because like the whole point of Carmen San Diego is that you're going around the world solving mysteries and all stuff they would actually use the dialogue of the nation that they were in rather than have like just an American play, like do it in English. That's impressive. So, so they'd have subtitles. Like the first one that you watch is like, um, you can watch it on Tubi, the streaming service. Um, the first one they're in, um, they're in Holland and they're actually speaking like the language there. And it's just like, oh, that's actually, you would not see that in many other TV shows. It would just be like, you know, bad American like accents of European accents sort of thing. So yeah, quite cool. Um, my uh, pilot for the for the week um, is MTV's Trashed. 
if you get a chance to watch it, there is one full episode you can watch on YouTube. It was a game show where um, contestants would come in and they would bring six treasured objects of from, from their life. So like usually like a stereo system or like expensive clothes or something like that. You'd be asked questions. If you get the questions wrong, you get your possessions smashed <laughs> on the show. Um, okay. And uh, it's, look, um, it, it only lasted like about, I don't know, 10 episodes. Um, it had uh, a couple of like um, comedians that you would know from um, podcasts, like Doug Benson was on it. Um, Brian Posehn was on it. Nope. The, nope. Um, the episode that is on that you can watch has a very very problematic ending to it because one of the contestants the contestant that quote unquote wins the show um is an african-american each at the end of each one they'd they'd have like this really really sort of weird disgusting sort of last thing that they'd do to the contestant that sort of that, that that sort of did the worst or did the best whatever you want to look at it he is sat in a chair um he's told to put goggles on this is on this is on tv the audience and everything like that. Mm. Then a uh, one of the comedians says, "Like, oh, I've got a, I've got a couple of my frat friends around, and they they've just been out in a kegger." So three guys come in, and they've got like you know university sort of sweatshirts on. They've got beers, and they couple a couple of them accidentally spill some of the beer on this on this dude, and then they start throwing mm. up on him. What? Yeah. Like actual vomit or actual, vomit? Actual vomit. <laughs> no. Two of the dudes, are, uh, two of the dudes, definitely vomit on this this dude that's sitting in the chair oh. with goggles on, and then it just cuts to cuts away to like you know um, the credits, and it is quite a thing to watch. Um, because oh, man, man, it is it is rough. Um, so you can watch that on YouTube. <laughs> So uh, I also wanted to um, uh, just, we haven't touched on Seinfeld for quite some time because, um, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, we, we used to sort of, it was just, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of TV going on. But like when, a, when an episode that I particularly love comes along, I do want to um, uh, give it its props. We have the pie um, episode where um, this is one where George is looking for a suit for work and also Jerry's girlfriend... Um, won't try the pie that he's eating, and then he also that he also goes to to Puppy's restaurant and sees him not wash his hands, and then <laughs> watches him kneading the dough of the pizza, uh. <laughs> and then they go and he's and I love Jerry's like, when she holds up a piece of the thing for him to eat, the way that he shakes his head like a little child who doesn't want to eat what she's got him. <laughs> I find just utterly hilarious. It's just amazing. I feel like he's done that a few times in that show as well. Yeah, I think this was the first one though, and like it's just um, it's a very very funny episode. Um, there's a bit where uh, George hides a suit that's on sale, and this other guy wants to get it as well. And <laughs> George's like, "Oh, this isn't supposed to be here." And the guy looks at him and love the way that George is just his smarmiest, just like douchiest best. And I think that this is like a, a decent a decent um, episode from memory. I haven't seen. I remember, like I remember it reasonably well. But is the other guy wanting to get the suit the principal from Billy Madison? Yes, it is. Yes. Ah, I'm amazing. <laughs> I had like I can see him in my head. I was like, have I just created him there because he's George-like? <laughs> and he calls me. He actually says, "You bastard." 
Oh man, um, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure uh, that um, that got its props because um, it's also the it's also got a really weird. Um, the, Elaine looks like the mannequin in the shop, and everyone keeps looking at her weird because oh, she's yeah. got like um, they they undress her, and then like you find it's um, it's a Ted from uh, Scrubs. <laughs> who That's um somewhere making, become infatuated with he's, her he's made no he's making the um mannequin because he's obsessed with elaine um oh, and they they call the mannequin a number he's like no call, call it, it the elaine. elaine yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh good times all right so uh before we uh we might swap around this time i might do my law and order minute first and then um uh you can uh you can do your bit second. So let's okay. do the Law and Order Minute. How many how many episodes do we have today? Uh, we have two. Oh, all right. Uh, I'll still give you a minute, though. Are you ready? Oh, hang on one sec. Uh, okay, are, yeah. are you ready? Hang on a sec. Hang on are sec. you ready? Oh. Go. Okay, we got our first episode is Sensua, and it has the mum from Malcolm in the Middle in it. Um, her daughter, yay, um, yeah. <laughs> um, she, oh. uh, the her daughter, um, it, the basically someone is um, uh, saying they're going to kidnap her if she doesn't um, give her um, pay them a lot of money. We it sets up one of the best things in Laura. They do a um, undercover sting where all the detectives get to dress up in different. Um, <laughs> they get to be casual people in the park. You know, uh, Logan, Logan's got a nice, fine knit sweater on. Um, Briscoe is apparently um, pretending to be dating someone that would never be interested in him. Um, <laughs> and they do. We got some audio. We got some audio uh, monitoring here. It's 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 the best. It is the best. Um, uh, then we find out that um, the person that was trying to kidnap the daughter is actually a judge. And we find out the deputy DA is actually um, has, has has had an affair with him, and the entire case could be uh, quashed. Decent episode. Um, the next one is called Kids. Um, I knew that was. You spent be... a whole minute on one episode because that a whole first minute episode, that first episode, episode. Actually, that first episode is really good. <laughs> I don't even uh, know what happened in that episode. You talked about it for a minute. I had. I was looking at my notes. I'm like, there is no way I'm getting for the second episode. Like, there's there's too many notes in this first one. Um, it's a minute. It's it's there's so much to get. It's, it's, uh, whatever. That's a long time. I thought when we get. We were 38 seconds into it. I'm like, oh my God, is, are we, is he going to fail? I'm always going to oh, fail. Oh, man. Um, so let's go on to your section, your little segment where we, uh, I get, where you tell me all the guests that were on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, because we're huge Conan O'Brien fans here. Uh, you go through all the guests that were appeared on them during February 1994 to the tune of We Didn't Start the Fire by our Lord and Savior, Mr. William Joel. Um, are you ready to do this? Three, two, one, start. Helen Hunt, James L. Brooks, Paul <laughs> Reiser, Scott Thompson, Christy Yamaguchi, James Washington, Andrew Dice Clay, Mary Van Pebbles, Angie Everhart, Norman Lee, Catherine Hyle, Christy Brinkley, <laughs> Derek and Beverly, Drew Burt, Blair Brown, Peter Travis, Curtis Lewa, Andrew Mitchell, 
Rob Snutter, Tim Daly, Bob Geary, Dick Clark, Marissa Berenson, Stephanie Powers, Anne Robert Wagner, Stephen Baldwin, Jennifer Tealy, Janine Gruffalo, Ice-T, Amanda Pays, David Cross, Bob Dole, Tisha Campbell, <laughs> Michael Madsen, James Wilder, our Franklin buddy, Epson Dick, Cavett, Dorian, Hedwood, Tom Brocker, and Magnus and Ben Stiller, Perry Gilpin, David Letterman, Dazzle Zeal, Zappa, and Emmett Zappa. That was March. <laughs> you got in just in time. Oh, no, it wasn't. That was February. Okay, I'm okay. You got in just in time. 56 seconds. I, I'm, oh, always I'm good envi- at this. I'm, I'm always envisioning that um, Laura has a guest over just as you're belting into that because there's, there's nothing like there's no music to it like it's like what's ben doing <laughs> is he, is, he really doesn't know the, the, the words to win inside the fire <laughs> they definitely don't know that that's the tune i'm going for because i don't even know it sometimes um oh. now since i don't mention the music guests uh shall we go on to music and i can mention the music guests actually uh, it's still kind of tv okay you can do, do, do on tv <laughs> It's not like um, this, this, this uh, episode's not getting any shorter. It's fine. <laughs> um, just quickly, because there's some good ones. Uh, Goo Goo Dolls wasn't a good one, but uh, uh, Teenage Fan Club. Ooh. And our friend's Uncle Tupelo. Ooh. Yeah. They always are the best guests. Like, he had the best music guests. It's, it's, it's great. Um, well, I wouldn't say the best, because his other musical or comedians were... Tommy Keane, don't know who that is. Jimmy Rogers, don't know who that is. Gene Pumper, don't know who that is. Ben Naked Ladies, could do without it. Bo Salil, I know what Bo Salil is. Hey, what, no? what were they promoting? Don't know. Uh, February 9th, find out. Asleep at the Wheel, Paul oh, yeah. doing a podcast. Uh, Swinging Stakes. Oh. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, Possum Dixon. You're a uh, Nick Hayward, Hank Flamingo, Michael Damien, and Fishbone. Oh, Fishbone, cool. Well, from musical guests to the music section, let's do it right now. Uh, so, just a, uh, music news I didn't mention at the start. Um, this is around a time where the three remaining Beatles... Uh, got together and started getting um, recording some unfinished demos, which we would get free as a bird out of. So, um... When I... This was a very nice synchronicity moment. Okay. When I was going through your little fact sheet and I saw that, I had no idea that that, that happened at that time. It's not little. Um, <clears throat> so when I was going through your extensive, amazing <laughs> research that you do for me there on each go. month, there you go. which I'm very grateful for, um, someone posted in the music group that I'm in that this little photo of Lorne Michaels offering up $3,000 for the Beatles to reform on SNL. Oh, really? Which which I, I, knew, I knew about that. This is 1976. I'd seen that before. I'd heard about it. I did not know. Uh, recently, Paul McCartney came out. Now, I'm a reasonable believer that Paul McCartney is dead and that this is someone that's taken <laughs> over his life. Whatever. But regardless of that, he's a bit wanky and he likes the folklore of the Beatles. And I think he, I think he really gets into like keeping the legend going. I so like too. anything that's going to keep them in the news or like, oh yeah, this is a good story. People enjoy this. It, I 
fully believe that a lot of the shit he says has no truth at all. But the story goes, just coincidentally, the night that Lorne Michaels comes on and says, I will give you $3,000 if you come and reform on the show, that Paul and John were in John's apartment in New York, just happened to be having dinner, just happened to be watching it, and Paul said, oh, shall we go down then? That'll be a laugh. And John's like, no, I'm a bit tired, mate. <laughs> and then... Okay. That That's apparently how it basically went. Like, they talked All about right. going... And then they're like, nah, we don't care about the money. Obviously, it's a joke. It's three grand. So, Lorne um, knew that they were in they were in New York together, though. That's, that would have to be the... Probably, yeah. Well, he knows that John lives there. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> this is the funniest part. This makes it slightly more believable. Uh, I believe it was... I think Lennon and McCartney, or McCartney has told this story, that the next day, Paul went to Lennon's house again but was not welcomed inside. And John told him, it's not 1956 anymore. Turning up at the door just isn't the same. (laughs) (laughs) And they never saw each other again. Jesus. Apparently they had some conversations on the phone and it was kind of okay, but Paul was like, oh, we're friends now. Come round again. It's like, no, 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 no. We had dinner, you know, like stop it. I've moved on. Uh, just the more I hear about him, uh, John Lennon, is like the, the more I realize that he was not a great person. <laughs> like I think, he, like he's yeah. not great, but I kind of, I kind of get. It. Oh yeah, like, you uh, hang out with a friend the next day. They're like, "Can I come around again?" It's like, no, no, don't just rock up. <laughs> don't just come to my house. That's not Honestly, okay. I saw you yesterday. What do you want from me? I can see Paul being that sort of needy though. He's like, "Well, I'll, I'll yeah. just do it." Um, and George, then, and then like George is just seething in the background. It's like, well, I wasn't invited to either of your houses, so fuck you. <laughs> and Ringo's just like, oh, he... what, what's going on, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> Go back to your trains, you dickhead. <laughs> oh, Ringo was sad. Ringo was sad. <laughs> um, a little cliff note to that story. Uh, when George Harrison was on the show that year. <laughs> There's a little skit. He's like, "Where's my three thousand dollars? I'm here." And Lauren's like, "No, no, no, it was for all four He was like, "Well, you asked us to come, and I'm here. Where's my money?" <laughs> oh, that's you know, especially from the like, best those, one. Those seasons, uh, from those seasons, um, <gasps> I, it was not the best one. Well, have you watched Let It Be yet? I haven't, but we know Ringo's a bastard. No, we know. Not. Well, I mean, he is. There was a band called Ringo's a Bastard, and he's a shit drummer, and no one wants you. Go away. No, um, in those, in, in Let It Be, like, <laughs> the, the shit that he has put up with, and he's just does it with a smile on his face. It's like, well, I'm a drummer just doing my thing. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't belong there, because he has no skill or talent. So, like, just write it out, man. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, George Harrison comes off as, like, the. He is the youngest one there, I will say, but, like, yeah, he's he comes off as a bit, like, I don't know. Me, me, me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Watch it, for God's Is sakes. It, wait, what was his song? Didn't he have a song called Me, Me, Me? <laughs> or I? Do, uh, I, Me, Mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Me, Mine. There you I, go. Me, Mine. I, Me, Mine. <laughs> um, cool. 
that that was uh, all right. That's our Beatles section for the day. For the yes. Week. <laughs> Sorry, back to back to the regular music programming. Uh, so we we got the Billboard charts. Um, uh, all for love, Brian Adams still fucking on there. Um, and the Power of Love by Celine Dion. Um, we also have uh, this little chestnut from on, on the ARIA charts. It was for the entire month of February. It was this one. Give it up, baby. Give it up. You can't see, but I am head bumming profusely. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's a quite quite a big one for Australia. Um, so let's going on to releases. Um, and I've said, <clears throat> see, I was going to start this episode saying like, oh man, the music, but you routinely like bash me down when I say that like oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the music section. So I sort of, yep. <laughs> I didn't. That's what I'm here for. Um, but I actually really like a lot of the releases that were out on um, this one. Like, uh, it's probably, probably the, the music section I've listened to the most um, in the last couple of seasons. Um, but we got Blunt on Reality by the Fugees, Dookie by Green Day, um, the Reality Bite soundtrack, Robin the Hood by Sublime, 24-Hour Revenge Therapy by Jawbreaker, Motorcade of Generosity by Cake, For Your Own Special Sweetheart, Jawbox, uh, Some Old Bullshit Beastie Boys, Welcome to the Cruel World, Ben Harper, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain by Pavement, Angel Fish, Angel Fish, which was self-titled, uh, Ungod by Stabbing Westwood, and Rochambeau by The Greys. So, did you listen to all of these, or you just found quite a few the, that you liked? Well, I listened to the the playlist that we made on Spotify, then I started listening to the entire album. So, like, I'll, like my my personal favorites, like Dookie's, like the thing is, like, a few years ago, I would have just said like Dookie's the best, whatever, like wouldn't even sort of try the rest, like. It is a huge big it's a it's a huge staple in my youth of of listening to music. Dookie was groundbreaking for me. Holds up too. Holds up too, yeah. Um in my like in the recent years, like I've just re- started um liking this band called Jawbreaker, who were quite big at the time, but then um like Green Day, when they went to a major labour, kinda of got written off by a lot of people, but unfairly so. Um I really like twenty four hour revenge therapy, it's probably their best album. Loved Motorcade of Generosity by Cake. I love Cake. Like Cake is one of those ones that made me want to want to do this podcast in the first place. So I started listening to like their albums uh, a couple of years ago, um, just because like I'd never really given them a full chance. I liked the distance and I liked like you know a lot of other, other singles, but they're a really good band and they're I, I find their their stuff really easy to listen to. So really love that. Um, so right on cue to burst your bubble. Uh, don't like Cake. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're wrong. Thought, thought I did. Um, I do like some horn action, and they've got a couple bangers, but I gave this album two solid goes, and more than two songs in a row of his voice, I've had enough. Nah, I love it. I, 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 I think, like, look at the other stuff I listen to, like, you know, Hold Steady. Like, if you don't like his voice, then you're, on, you're in for a bad time. Um, but it's like that kind of, like, talk singing sort of, like, I don't know, it's some, some, some people dig it, some people don't. Um, but yeah, I really like Jack Cake. Um, really, really love "Welcome to the Cruel World" by Ben Harper. I'm not a huge Ben Harper fan. Like I've, I've like Ooh. I've only seen him like you know when they when he's um, supported Pearl Jam and stuff. But uh, this album probably got the most spins. Like just the album itself, and a, a couple of the songs have, have ended up in this, in my my regular playlist. Um, "Crooked Rain," "Crooked Rain." I, I was thinking of you because I, I know that, that you hate, I know that you hate. 
they like, you hate pavement and I thought this one was the one that's going to turn you around but then I was listening to it I'm like he's not going to like this at all <laughs> uh, no there was um, was it Cut Your Hair? oh Cut Your Hair is amazing yeah like, that's, that's that's pretty good I will say I, that I don't cut, hate them like but, they're okay but Cut Your Hair okay so that song if you listen to that song and said alright I'm going to go buy a Cricket Rain Cricket Rain that song is not um, a good representation of what the album is <laughs> like it's not as experimental as the rest. Like even like the um I really like the song Range Life, but his vocals in it are so off key. And they do that on purpose. I'm pretty sure like they they could sound like a really, really well polished band, but I think they listen to it and go, Alright, I'm gonna do this differently. I'm gonna put some feedback on here. I'm gonna make it like sound a little bit less appealing to people. And that's what annoys me about pavement, is that pavement could be so much better if they just stopped trying to be sort of avant garde. But I suppose that's like to other people that's their that's the reason they like pavement. But yeah, I don't know. They sound a lot like Beck to me. And I think they I guess they're pre Beck, right? This is before Beck's time. Yeah. Uh no, Beck's, and adjust. Beck's, oh no, yeah. yeah, he's been out. Um, um They do have a so song. I don't I don't hate it, they're just a bit kinda nothingness to me. And like I think I've said before, when I used to hunt for Pearl Jam bootlegs and CDs, a lot of record stores in the early 2000s, would not have any Pearl Jam, and they would always have Pavement, and it drove me nuts. Uh, and then we've got... I really liked Angelfish, which is um, Shirley Manson's band before she uh, joined Garbage. Like, those songs were... Re- like, um, I listened to that album um, a couple times, too. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker, like, for Shirley Manson. I, I love Garbage. So, if um, this was... Um, and this is probably, like, you know, less electronic. It's, it's more just, like, a straight band... And I think it's I think it was really good. So um, really like that. And then um, the Greys, I was like, there's one song I really liked on there. Um, the, the, like the first song is, um, but it's it's a really weird album. Like they got like a bunch of different styles that aren't gelling on that. But that's my little rundown of the. Um, oh, I also really like. <laughs> I really love Blunted on Reality by the Fugees because um, I love the next album. I'll have a, I'll have a big story about the next album because it's, it's, it's something happened with that. But like I liked this, you can definitely see where they're going um, on this album. This yeah, one. that was when I listened to it. I just I kept thinking that's not the Fugees that I know, yeah. but it just seems to fit the style of early nineties hip hop coming through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the turn like song we were talking about? Um, funky, funky called Medina. <laughs> yeah, that shaggy like that whole sort of sound of like it kind of sounds aggressive but it's not it's playful yeah this one I like, like it's a weird mix i really like lauren hill i really like the fujis so yeah looking forward to getting more into that sort of stuff but what did you like i liked this absolute banger by richard marks <laughs> i think did we have him last year yeah he did um that song um So if you had a funeral or a wedding in 1994, <laughs> this was playing. Rightly so, because I was going so far to say as um, if you had a funeral for like the next like 20 or 30 years and yeah. went, and, and grew up in the 90s, um, he did this banger. Uh, is it is it un something? No, hazard. Hazard, that's right. The song you don't know that you know. Yeah, the one that I thought was in the 80s. Yeah. 
Oh, now I'm going to listen to Hazard. Um, Man, this this Richard Marks is a good dude. And then, if you were Irish or like to have a wake after your funeral, you would have a Hey Mr. DJ. Right? <laughs> oh, man. This is amazing. This is by, um, is it Zach? Zane? Zane? Zane, yeah. This is... You still awake. <laughs> I can't believe we're now 90s where we've got these bangers happening. I'm so happy. Uh, I love that's... It. Hey, Misty. Oh, man. it's. I was like... I was bopping around to that at breakfast this morning. And like... Even like my, um, my youngest was like, this is good. I'm like, yeah, it is. Another one I need to mention because it drove me nuts while watching Reality Bites. So... The Reality Bites soundtrack is obviously very, very good. Yep. But there's a song in it that I was like, this is Young Americans by David Bowie. When it first started, I thought they were playing Young Americans and someone just covered it. It could not be any closer. I don't know how they didn't get sued. Who is it? So then when I went and looked it up, it's by a band called World Party. Okay. And it's called When You Come Back To Me. But trying to find a song called When You Come Back To Me by a band that barely existed. It's actually <laughs> I kept not... getting Jason Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe maybe he's like um, put in an algorithm of like, hey, when you find, when there's a generic song title, can you just put my name <laughs> so people accidentally find me? Um, you, can, you, you, can't yeah, actually, <clears throat> you can't actually on the... Apparently regard... it was well inspired too, so... Well, um, on um, Spotify, when you look up the Reality Bites soundtrack, you can't actually play that song by World Party. Yeah. It's weird. Very I just, weird. I, I, I just want to... Oh. Yeah. Come on. I'm sorry, Lisa. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I've done, but I'm sorry. Um, oh man, I was obsessed with her too, like and her look and everything. Anyway, um, it's a good time. It was a good time. Um, let's get back. So, um, it it was a good month. Like I'm saying, like it, we. And I know that you was. Yeah, I was. I was very worried because I'm like, I thought I finally had. <laughs> Some stuff that you would like in there, but I was just like, oh, I don't want to jump the gun. But, no, like I was, I was overall happy with the music. Like Dookie is still great. I still loved it. Reality Bite soundtrack was amazing. How good was Sublime? Cake, I, I really don't... like Sublime. That was good. They had Gwen don't Stefani. care for Sublime. They had um, no, Gwen, Gwen Stefani was on one of the tracks. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I, don't know. I like it. Um, I like, I... like some uh, Scar. This is some early '90s Scar right there for you. I like that we had Jawbreaker and Jawbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't listen to either, though. Yeah. Uh, Richard Marks, that song is incredible. Yeah. I didn't get to Beastie Boys. I don't know if it was on Spotify. Nah, it's it's just, it's basically a bunch of their, um, their earlier that stuff. That compilation anyway. thing? Yeah, so it's more of like um, their, their non, um, non-rap stuff, like their, their punk rock stuff. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Ben Harper, not my favourite of his, but, like... Still, you good, know, good starting point. Yeah. Um, Mama's got a girlfriend now. Has been on in our house uh, quite a few times. <laughs> it's a very, very cool song. Um, 
it's been it's actually really also, hard for me to pick my my favorite. Also, um, Mr. GJ, uh, the group is called pronounced Jane, as Jane. you have put in the notes. Oh, <laughs> I should probably read my notes. Um, yes, I, I I write a lot of notes. Okay, so um, <laughs> oh, so I picked. So my your movie. film is Blue Chips. My, my film was Blue Chips. Yeah. Uh, what's yours? <sighs> It's fucked because <laughs> everything that wasn't blue chips that I watched is greatly problematic and should not be a favorite. <laughs> but the idea of being eleven years old, having a million dollars, and oh, no. okay. living in a mansion, castle. <laughs> it's, it's a castle mansion grotto. It's ah, yep. uh, I don't know. Blue chips. I've, I just found a bit too boring, and I don't know what the deal was like did they win a championship with this team did they play one game and that was just the end of it no nah. Shaq took 40 minutes before he arrived <laughs> uh i don't it know did seem, it it, just... it, 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 usually like usually we, we go about the other way like we usually say like films are too long i actually felt that one was about half an hour too short like they, they probably needed like a little bit more context in there i i read up that they um sorry to get back onto films uh apparently this script this idea was like 12 years in the making where they had this idea right. because it was actually happening at universities in the 80s and they found out and people were trying to uncover it and it wasn't really happening so they had this script in development coming and going coming and going yeah i just assumed it was based on shaq's life because everyone knows that shaq got rich playing in college yeah a la basketball um but it didn't really seem to have much of a point like what what are you saying you're not calling out any of these universities by name you no. i don't know it just didn't really hit any mark for me. I and it didn't have enough that. shack. I was like, like at the end, how Nick Nolte is just walking past a bunch of kids playing basketball and then feels it's okay to like come on and tell them how to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then it turns into the air up there. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so you're talking, uh, you picking blank check? I'm picking blank check because Tone Luke blows chunks in a car. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to go. Is it wrong to give it to a soundtrack? Because Dookie's just seems too obvious. Dookie <laughs> could easily win this. Out of everything, I would continuously listen to Dookie, and it's as great as it ever was. But we should Reality like Bites just, has good diversity. We should probably say, like, um, there was, and I probably didn't know it at the time, but, like, um, Dookie actually explores, like, a lot more than, like, what people might think on, um, on the surface. Like, they can see it's just a sort of snotty punk album, but, like, um, in, within the lyrics, like, there's, like, him, um, you know... Um, like coming out as bisexual and there's like um stuff with his um his mum and his dad and his stepdad and all that stuff in there is like there's actually some deepness to the lyrics that like i think is lost in a lot of people um but yeah like i found it like looking into it and sort of reading a few interviews about it i'm like oh it's like yeah um that i mean yeah bus case is basically uh, a very sort of deeply personal sort of story about him so props to that yeah i, I did not know that mm. coming clean has always been like um, like was like, yeah, like you can sort of tell from that it's like him coming out as um, as a bisexual. But like, I don't think he actually had um, any relationships with men at the time. But like, just accepting the fact that like he has a, that attraction or that sort of feeling towards him. So. Yeah, good to know. Hmm. I didn't even consider looking into yeah because I just thought this is just a regular old punk album that just happened to blow up. Yeah, I didn't even think to look into anything behind it. And one of the albums so is that I'm your like, choice. Uh, no, I mean, in fact, the, the, the amount of times I've listened to this album and played bass along to it back in like in in the nineties, um, 
But I think for me, I'm going to have to pick Ben Harper because oh. I think I just had a lot of fun and not being a Ben Harper fan um, before, before this, like sort of coming into a bit cold. Like I, I kind of want to give it to um, Cake as well, but I, I, I believe the next album's um, probably a little bit better. But yeah, um, I found myself going back to this and Angelfish um, quite a bit, but yeah, I'm going to give it to, uh, to Ben Harper. Welcome to the cruel world. That makes me happy. I thought you wouldn't care for him at all. No, I really liked it. It's only going to get better too. From what I've heard, yeah. yeah. I, th- I was like, it's actually one of those things that like now in retrospect, I'm like, I probably should have just been a bit more open to him, but I sort of always felt it. I, I, and I don't want to like pigeonhole him with it, but like, it's kind of like that Jack Johnson sort of hippy dippy sort of like <laughs> from the outside looking yeah. in, you're like, ah, like, I don't know, like a lot of, um, you know, that's a crowd, fair assumption to make. The crowd that liked openly like Ben Harper wasn't the crowd that I sort of felt like I wanted to be a part of. Um, but it's like, yeah. you know, that's like, that's a naive 90s thing in itself to say. Um, so yeah, there we have it. February 94. Thanks for, I mean, this is, uh, I can, um, I can imagine that a few of you won't get to the end of this and that's fine. Um, actually one thing that we should uh, let you all know, if you look in the show notes now, because we thought these things might get a bit lengthy, you can now uh, put the time codes in for you to jump to your favorite sections. So if you like, if you're not a big person on events, but you like to hear us talk about movies, then you can find the time code and just jump to that. Um, and hopefully that makes it a bit easier for the for the listening experience too. To skip out the bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I haven't put a bullshit section in there yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, livingthepastpod at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Um, I, I, I know that it says at the end that the, you know, our letterbox and Spotify. I, look, sometimes those get, get, gets updated. There's a lot of stuff that I'm updating. So, sometimes they might, we, we might be a bit slow on that. So, I apologize. Um, but, you say uh, we, but you're doing basically everything. So, <laughs> if something isn't getting done... Don't be mad about it because Paul has a big pod load. I do. I do. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, look out, uh, look out for our Instagram. Um, uh, we'll definitely be putting some stuff up for, for this for this episode. Um, if you want to also check out our X Files um, podcast, do you think on Spooky? Uh, we've just finished off our season one of that. We'll be going to season two in a in a few weeks' time. Um, looking forward to that. Um, and then, yeah. We're loving this. Thank you. I've um, you know, we'd I when I was putting posting a couple of episodes um, the other day, I did have like a, a quick look at like the numbers and like you're still holding strong. So thanks very much for that. Um, and yeah, we'll see you uh, next week. Uh, oh, oh, this should also let you know. Next week we uh, take a bit of a diversion and we're going to go through the video games of 1994, um, which is going to be going to be a good time there's also a spider on on the carpet between where my mic stand is so i might not be back <laughs> right. i don't know if it's alive or not oh no, no well i'll definitely see you ne- next time maybe not ben all right see ya. come back come back next week and find out did i survive <laughs> good night everybody Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. 
Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at mildscribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks.